You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Matt Walters, your regulars alongside two legends. Legends. They averaged in double figures during their basketball career at K-State combined. Um, We've got Josh Reed and Aaron Schwarzenegger from back in the day. And when I say back in the day, it's because, God, it was so long ago, I can't remember the exact years they played, nor did I research that well enough. Uh, I just looked at their stats. You were you were the original uh, sniper. Well, maybe not the original, Josh, but you were known out of Brewster, Kansas, for your ability to shoot the ball, and you did shoot, like, what, 35% from three during your career. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh... Yeah, that, that was kind of my my uh, thing, I guess, that I, I brought to the team, kind of my role. And there were a few snipers even before me. Will Scott, you yeah. know, was uh, before then. And I think uh, him and Brian Hint- or, uh, Steve Henson were still ahead of me by the time I finished up my career there. And Aaron Schwarzenegger, the point guard, the combo guard, whatever kind of guard you were. I think it was whatever they, they needed, that the uh, – Dirty work or just part of the team. So, yeah, that was uh, – I think I'm even further back in the day than, than Jay Reed is. I was um, – my first two years at K-State were the last two years of the Big Eight. So that's going way back. Oh. So, yeah. God, that was you're old. I am. Did I you am. play I for feel- Tex Winter? I didn't. I didn't. But um, I actually met Tex Winter. Um I signed under uh, – here's a familiar name. I signed under – but goes way back. Signed under – Coach Dana Altman, mm. in the summer before I got on campus, Manhattan, he left for Creighton. But So that was way back in the 90s, which is a long time ago now. Yeah, that was such an interesting time at Kansas State Sports. I mean, I was covering that coaching search, and uh, Kansas State won a bidding war for Coach Asbury over Iowa State, and they settled on Tim Floyd. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I uh, Actually, you mentioned – Floyd, some Iowa State days. I actually originally verbally committed to uh, Mr. Johnny Orr at Iowa mm. State, um, and then he actually retired before I think I committed my sophomore year, maybe. And um, and Coach Altman made a couple of visits, and I got to Manhattan. I was into that. I love Manhattan. I miss that place. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good, good place. It, it is a good place. Although all I see nowadays is my little office I'm in here at home. And I see Matt Walters via Zoom, which is not a good way to see Manhattan. <laughs> We're not very nice to start this thing. I know. It's, I, I know. It's going to be a feisty these, one. I love these two guys. Schwartz was the guy that got on the deck and was he was the yeah. black and blue guy with the lunch pail. And 
Josh Reed did the same thing. All oh, those were those were good times. We wanted them to be better times, but it's it's great to have these two guys on board. Absolutely. This is the Insiders Podcast, sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or your employer spend four thousand dollars or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by twenty five percent or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K State owned and K State proud. Well, boys, it's been an interesting week of Kansas State basketball. Um, They went to Iowa State and won, which caught us all a little bit off guard. I think it certainly caught Iowa State off guard. They were pretty flat-footed in that game. I think they kind of looked past K-State and lived to regret it. Came home and got their feelings hurt by a really good Baylor team. It was literally men against boys. And then on Monday afternoon, they they beat a Jacksonville team that had played hard and well at Miami, but then had to fly directly to Manhattan and looked a little bit out of sorts against K-State. But it was a nice victory for the Cats to move on to their holiday break. Uh, Let me go to the old farts, said the oldest fart of all. Josh and Aaron, uh, either one of you step up first. Give me your thoughts on the state of this team in K-State basketball. I'll, I'll go first, Swartz. So, you know, I, I think the state, everybody talks about just how young the team is, obviously. And and I was kind of, you know, really proud of the guys for coming back and, and responding after winning Milwaukee. Um, you know, I think that was Milwaukee's first game of the season, yeah. actually, that they won. And But then going to Hilton Coliseum and, and winning at Ames, I think, was huge. And just looking at that team and that game, the the big thing that stuck out in my mind was effort. They they out rebounded Iowa State and they um, shot really good from a, from the free throw percentage and, and things like that. And I think that's really what won the game. And that's what they're going to have to do. They they don't they're not going to out physical anybody this year. They're not going to have the experience. They're not going to have the speed. But the one thing they can do is just bring the effort night in and night night out. Yeah, I would I would echo that, uh, Jay Reed. Um, you know, watching Iowa State, the Iowa State game, um, just echoing what you said, especially on the road in conference play, uh, I thought their energy was really good, made their free throws and rebounding, which are two areas, especially on the road, like I said, that if you're successful, you're usually going to be in the game and, and most of the time win if you're um, successful in those areas. Um, but I also thought in that game in the second half with as young as they are, they sustain that energy. I think a lot of times from my experience, um, young players, um, you know, at the start of the game, their energy is levels high, they're into the game plan and so forth, but it's kind of hard to sustain, but I thought they did that real successful in Iowa state. And obviously Baylor, um, Baylor is really, really good. That's no surprise to anybody. And, uh, coming home to play a Baylor team, uh, certainly brought him back to life, but I, I hope, hopefully, that that experience against Baylor later on in the season, with as young as they are, will um, will help them in, in conference games. Um, my other thought this week with the game, the afternoon game, which was a little odd time, but on on Christmas week was it might be um, the timing of that game might be beneficial to them, especially after the Baylor game. Get another win, a little bit more success, um, and then have another non-conference game before they go back into conference play. But um, overall, I agree with you, Josh. I like the young young players. I like the energy. Um, it's just going to be whether they can sustain that throughout the year and continue to improve. Matt, that, that win at Iowa State was really something else. 
I, I mean, I'll admit it kind of caught me off guard. Um, uh, you know, when they go back, when this team goes back and, and looks at some things before Christmas, you know, Fitz, you mentioned that Iowa State was a little flat-footed and, you know, didn't they didn't play a very good game. But, you know, Kansas State took advantage of that. And the fact that K-State, with so many young guys and newcomers, went in there in their first Big 12 game and, and, and did that was – was a positive. Now there is a stark difference from, uh, you know, Baylor to whoever's going to wind up being in last place in the big 12. But, um, you know, Kansas state, I I thought, you know, they did a handful of good things against Baylor, even though they were getting drubbed and, you know, they played very well yesterday on Monday against Jacksonville had that hot stretch. They didn't give it up. There was a point where K-State was up, it was 32 to 16 right before the first half and in doing that game with Wyatt, I said, okay, to me, the, one of the keys for this team, a step to grow up is do they let Jacksonville catch up or does Kansas state keep the foot on the throttle and do they increase the lead? Well, Kansas state increased the lead to 19 at halftime and, you know, they wound up winning by 24. And, and to me, that was a, a very good sign against the team that was obviously tired, but you know, Jacksonville had some pieces and parts that weren't too shabby. So the fact that K-State got win number four, and they've got a little bit of a good taste, uh, as, as, I, as I also said, the Christmas Vittles are going to taste a little bit better after winning that game as opposed to getting beaten going to the holidays. And, Josh, that game against Baylor, uh, a complete mismatch. And you could see it coming. I, I probably didn't expect them to lose by 30-plus, but um, that is a team that has grown up in Waco. They've gone through some of the trials that K-State has seen uh, recently, maybe not as the low lows, but um, Bruce Weber emphasized that to his team, that the guys you just you know, got whooped by went through exactly what you're going through, not really knowing what you're doing. And for me, um, uh, I thought that was part of the process. I thought they needed that. They needed, after beating Iowa State, they probably needed to understand what level uh, you have to play at to be an elite team in this conference. And boy, they sure did find out really quick, didn't they? They did. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's, I hope those guys are, are looking at Baylor and saying, that's what we want to be like in two years, right. right. In three years and watching that game, it, it kind of reminded me the best analogy I could think of was when you're like 10 years old and you're playing one-on-one against your dad in the driveway and, and you know, your dad can kind of score on you anytime he wants, you know, or he can, he could swat you anytime he wants. And, and uh, it just kind of looked like that's what Baylor was doing. They were just so under control, you know, nothing really bothers them. And, you know, our guys are just trying to figure out what they can do against guys like that. So it was, it was good to watch. I'm, I'm really excited to watch how Baylor does throughout the course of the year. The Big 12 is just so tough through and through and throughout. And that's what I would tell, you know, if I was Coach Weber, I would tell those guys, you're going to be playing, what, four or five teams that are in the top 15 over the next two months. And you guys have some opportunities to see how you measure up and, and maybe maybe sneak a couple wins in. I don't know if they will against that caliber of, of teams they're going to be going up against, but that would be awesome if they could you know win one or two against that, those type of teams over the next two months. Aaron, we, we see the talent on this team. There is talent. It's very young. It's very green. Um, and I'm I'm very hopeful for the future of Kansas State basketball with this group if they can keep them together. But boy, Baylor asserted itself. And coming off a COVID shutdown, they did not mess around. 
I, I was really impressed by Baylor. Yeah, I, I certainly was as well. And um, really in all aspects of the game. And I think that experience showed, um, you know, coming out of the, um, the break there, they had um, certainly have some pros on their team. And um, from K-State's perspective, um, there's some pieces, as you said, they're young. Uh, but I think the key to this season is there's probably going to be a lot of ups and downs, may have some successes. And then, uh, unfortunately, there may be some more games like Baylor. But I think the key is with this group is if they keep responding, they keep coming back, they keep that energy level up. Um, I think that's where they, they show that they're learning through uh, some of these games. And like Josh said, hopefully in a year or two, that that will really pay dividends and, and um, you know, they can be in the upper half of the, the Big 12 and, and get back to where we've seen them in the past few years. So. Matt, I'm astonished how my outlook of this team has changed since that 40 state loss. I wasn't overwhelmed by the win over Milwaukee. You know, as mentioned, it was their first game. They K-State won by one point. Really valuable to win that game. But then how they've responded since then, even in the loss to Baylor, I didn't feel like they laid down. I just thought they were completely overmatched uh, by the Bears, who honestly is maybe the best Big 12 team I've seen. They're just absolutely loaded and suffocating. And, and they play a different style than Kansas, but I think Baylor is is really, really a national title contender. It's going to be interesting to watch. But, Matt, this young team has responded since it lost to Fort Hay State and uh, made me feel a lot better about where they're headed this season. There are a number of things that have been said that are accurate. One is learning how they have to play every night, even against Fort Hayes, even against you know, those schools, K-State wasn't the only Division One team to get beat by Division Two this year or last year or the year before or prior to that. And you have guys that – and Josh and Aaron can speak to this. Typically, these guys were the best players on their high school teams or in their, you know, prep academy, whatever the case may be. But when you get here or to the Power Five – you're not the you you're you're average compared to you know a lot of people because the same can be said for the other teams. The best guys from their teams are on, and that's who you're going against. And I, I remember hearing something a long time ago, and it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to apply to athletics, but it does. It applies in the business world, which Josh and and Aaron and, and Fitz, you guys are obviously a part of. But case they got humbled Saturday. And there is a point in time where you have to remember, and it should drive you, and what you have to remember is there's always somebody better than you. Always. And I think when K-State got smacked by Fort Hayes, that started to seep in a little bit. And, yeah, they they got humbled badly by Baylor. And I'll get back to Baylor in a second. But I I like where this team's going. Aaron hit it right on the head. They're going to get their feelings hurt again. They're going to get stomped at some other point, whether it's in Allen Fieldhouse or whether it's a Gallagher Iba or, or who knows where, but they're also going to surprise some people. I mean, did you really think TCU would beat Oklahoma State the other night? I didn't. Um, so they're going to come along. Great pieces and parts on this team that have an opportunity. They have to learn to play as a team, and I think they're slowly but surely getting there. And when I looked at Baylor – the one thing that amazed me in that 40 minutes of unbelievable basketball was there was not one dude 
one dude that broke a sweat for Baylor. Yeah. It wasn't Teague. It wasn't Vital. It, none of them. They didn't crack one droplet of salt and water off of their skin. And I, I've been thinking about this for days. Who's the best player that you can remember in, you know, in the last 15 years? Who's the best Baylor player you've seen? To me, I look at a guy like Quincy Acey, who I thought was just a man-child. But I am telling you what, that is the best Baylor team I have ever seen. And all four of us got robbed when Baylor and Gonzaga got wiped out by COVID. And I hope we see that game at some point. That team is legit. And if the, to me, you know, Gonzaga is really good. KU is really good. There, there's a handful of them out there. But if Baylor, since you use the word suffocate, if Baylor defends like that on a night in night out basis, they're not going to hit shots like they did that in, you know, that night where they hit 15 out of 32 threes and shoot 58%. But if they defend like that and they get offense, the only team that's going to beat Baylor is Baylor. Holy smokes, could that team play? It, it looked like that experience we've all had when we're in a pickup game and a bunch of old dudes walk on the court and we think, oh, these are old dudes. We're going to take care of them. We're really good. We're young. And then you just get pounded because they're playing old man basketball and you have no idea what that is until you experience it. You, your ribs end up bruised. Your feelings end up bruised. Uh, the scoreboard ends up bruised. You lose a basketball game, and that's what happened at K-State. Uh, Aaron, it was it was really impressive. And uh, if I could have a, a clone of Vital to put on any team, I would take it. He's just so good. Yeah, yeah, Baylor is really good. And I was thinking the same thing about um, love to see Baylor-Gonzaga game. Unfortunate that that got canceled or postponed, but – uh, I was watching the University of Iowa play Gonzaga uh, a few nights ago, and um, they were going up and down the floor. But as I was thinking about the K-State-Baylor game, I was thinking the difference between Iowa and Baylor is Baylor will get in your shorts, and they will get after you, defense and rebound. Uh, and it just leads to so many so many easy buckets for them, too. Um but back to what what uh, Mr. Walter said. Oof. I was thinking when you were you were describing. Thank, it. thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oof. You bet. You bet. I'm I'm trying to show you a little respect here since way back in the '90s when we first uh, hung out a few times. But right um, I, I'll continue to talk about the '90s here. What I was going to say is is you were uh, alluding to uh, kind of being brought back to earth um, with the young cats after the Iowa State game in Baylor. I can think back to my freshman year, um, which was not 94, 95. The first big eight game I ever played in was against Oklahoma state in Bramlage, uh, with none other than big country Reeves played. And that was the year they went to the final four and we beat them somehow in, uh, Bramlage. And we had three young players, um, on our team too. Mark Young and Paco May were the other, um, players that signed in my class. But, and we were, we were young, and after that game, we were confident. And then the next game, KU, you know, they had Pollard, Ostertag, and LaFrenz along the front line. Um, and I didn't want to mention KU on this podcast, but um, that was a tough game, and that, that kind of brought us back down to, to uh, um, 
you know, the Big Eight Conference, the Big 12 Conference, conference games in general, uh, as you mentioned, Fitz, it's just a battle. And and I just hope, I hope, I, I love the talent. Um, I do love the energy in some games. I just hope that, that uh, uh, these young kids will take that and continue to improve because I certainly see, I like I like the, this group and I certainly see them being successful down the road. So. Josh, it's going to take a long journey to get that done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. And, um, you know, I think, I think um, you know, especially this year, um, there's even more challenges with, with COVID and so forth. But uh, hopefully that will ultimately make them stronger uh, as they go through the year. Josh, your thoughts? I, I agree with, with everything that, that Swartz and and Matt had mentioned. I mean, you know, hopefully they can kind of get through the season and, and learn as much as they can. I, I hope Mike McGurl, just as the senior, you know, can can leave a bit of a legacy. You know, he's a Big 12 champion. And I hope he can just continue to focus on mentoring these guys and and playing up to his ability every every game as they go through January and February and just see improvement with these guys and, and you know, encourage them to get through this season. But um, eight games in January, I think, and plus Texas A&M, and then also eight games in February, they're, they're getting ready to go through the gauntlet. And I think they've only got three guys on the team here that have actually done that. So it's going to be an interesting journey. It certainly will be. This is the Powercat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. I am Tim Fitzgerald alongside Matt Walters and the two former K-State basketball players, Josh Reed and Aaron Schwarzendruber. And after this break, we're going to get into some of the personnel from K-State and let these veteran players break down the young talent at K-State. We'll talk to you on the other side. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the Insiders, the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Matt Walters and our rotating crew of Team Teal, the Tom Asbury former players. 
Boy, I don't miss the teal at all in Bramlage Coliseum. What a weird color scheme that was. Today, we've got Aaron Schwarzendruber and Josh Reed. Last week, we had Chris Griffin and Jay Heydrich. Yeah, the legend, Jay Heydrich. You can go touch his jersey at Porter's. That's that's pretty much the pinnacle of his career. His career uh, peaked out with, I think, an air ball from the free throw line. But then he got his jersey hung up in a bar in Aggieville, and it's still there. It's amazing. It's amazing. He dunked on somebody. Did he? (laughs) Yeah, he dunked on somebody at K-State. I don't remember if it was Austin P or somebody, but he had had a dunk in the game. He did, but I think I should – you should – I don't know if he dunked on anybody. (laughs) Well, I just meant – He dunked in a game, and occasionally with these text threads with some of us, our old teammates, you know, he'll he'll get that picture in, and and he refers to it as – he dunked on somebody. He was the only one in the picture. I didn't see anybody else. I'm trying to make him feel better about himself. We all need that this time of year. Well, it's not easy being Jay, being the second best left-handed basketball player in your own household. <laughs> we're, we're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. It's a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Give my buddy Ron a call and get your company switched over to Blue Mark. Um, guys, I, I am growing more and more encouraged the more I see this team because uh, I made a bold statement the other day that I think this group of freshmen has the ability to exceed the accomplishments and that says a lot, of Barry Brown, Cam Stokes, and Dean Wade. Um, I feel like Davion Bradford is showing glimpses of being an absolute dominant center. And honestly, I think you've got to go back way before any of us to Bob Boozer and Jack Parr to say that about a K-State center. We've had good centers. We've had guys like Jeremiah Massey who kind of played in the post but weren't true centers. We've had other guys that have been pretty good, uh, but not a true seven-footer that can catch the ball score and likes to dunk, which I know uh, Jay Heydrich does. But uh, And then you've got the true point guard in Nigel Pack and a lot of pieces around him. Uh, let's start with you, Josh. What are your thoughts and what on this team, on these young players, and who sticks out to you the most? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Nigel Pack and, and, and Bradford are, are really the foundation. Anytime you've got a a young point guard and a, and a young big like that, they can really, you know, kind of lay that foundation. I think that's really huge. And then, you know, Coach Weber's got the, the rest of the crews on the wings. Dejuan Gordon has impressed me the last three days, three, three games, because he's actually turned it up from a rebounding standpoint. He's not that big of a guy, um, but man, he was crashing the boards big time against Iowa state. I think he had a double, double in that game. And I think he had a double, double yesterday too, didn't he against yeah. Jacksonville? Um, so, you know, anytime I love seeing wings that come in and crash the boards from the outside. And, and that's just a huge, uh, they're going to have to do that, you know, because they're so undersized and, and we need to see Selton Miguel start to get more involved. He's playing a lot of minutes, but he's only averaging one or two rebounds a game, but he's another guy, great big 12 body, uh, that he can get in there and bang. And, and if he wants to, so I think those guys, those four guys that I mentioned are, are just really going to be key over the next several years. Aaron. Yeah, I would agree. The the you know um, Davion and, and Nigel um, back to the Iowa State game. I remember twice that uh, you know that pick and roll and where Bradford caught the lobs right at the rim, uh, and then Davion 
um, you know, getting up and down the floor and had a couple of rim runs. Uh, that's really impressive for, for freshmen. So those two have a bright future. Um, and Nigel, you can just see he has a lot of skills and tools, even some intangibles, you know, from the point guard spot um, that I think the, the future is really bright. And maybe the one that, that intrigues me the most is uh, Miguel, Selton Miguel. He's a uh, boy for a wing player. To me, his potential is, is really unlimited. Maybe he hasn't shown it as much as some of the others, but he, he does show flashes and, um, boy, that kid has impressed me with, with his energy at Iowa state and some of the other games. Um, and then you throw in Josh said Gordon, uh, he's very active on the boards. He gets some of those, those drives, those rim runs, um, as an old point guard, one thing with Dejan, maybe that, that, um, you know, that I would maybe pull him aside, um, you know, and I would maybe leave a little bit of the three point shooting to, you know, a guy like Jay Reed back in his day, but I think he'll develop that. Um, but right now I think, I think, you know, he's, he's so good at getting to the rim and, and banging on the boards that, um, that's been impressive to me about him, but yeah, that I, I do think the future is really bright for these guys. Matt, and, you know, we haven't seen him yet, but K-State does have a three-point shooter waiting in the wings. Hopefully we'll see him after the new year. But I'm kind of on the Selton Miguel bandwagon. I don't know what it is. Uh, the The word that everyone uses is he's a dog. He gets after it. He can really, really get after people. And uh, high school basketball was easy for him. He was the biggest, strongest, most athletic kid. And he's already learning how to adapt his game to this level. Needs the game to slow down. It's a term we don't use a lot in basketball. It's usually football, but you can see it. He's going too fast at times, and he's going to get control of himself. And uh, there's just a lot of nice pieces. Heck, Sari Lewis steps up on against Jacksonville with a very interesting nine-minute line of, what, six points, five rebounds, and three turnovers. That that reminds me the turnovers of my game. I could turn it over once every three minutes, and I'm impressed that he could do it too. Uh, but it's exactly what Coach Weber has mentioned about him. There's something there. He's incredibly active. He just has to refine everything, and it was a perfect game for him to get minutes uh, and for Dejuan Gordon to go ahead and cut that three-pointer loose. He hit three of six uh, against Jacksonville. Great sign. He needs to learn when to take it isn't nearly as often as he thinks. You've given me a lot there. Yep. And I will be done in approximately eight minutes. So, guys, you Perfect. can get back for just a second. Uh, if you go back to the Baylor game, Casey had one guy on the floor that looked like a Baylor player, and his name is Sultan Miguel. I'm, I'm equally on board with what he's going to turn into. He, he's a physical specimen. Um, I think like Dejuan Gordon, he has a tendency to just jack threes when I think he needs to use that physicality and get to the, get to the 10. Now, with that said, he's got to use his left hand. You watch when he goes to the basket, it's always off the dribble. So now defenses have scouted him and they're starting to sit on his right hand, but that kid's going to be really good. Dejuan Gordon, and I'm glad Josh said it, the last three games, Dejuan has has stepped up. You can tell when his three's going in. If the ball rotation is good and like it should be, it has a chance to go in. If he's shooting his knuckleball, it's got no shot to go in. And I'd like to see him try and get to the bucket more. He's defending at a high level. 
Um, I think Nigel Pack is going to be a really good guard. I love I love his quick release on his shot. Uh, he's he's being thrown to the wolves as a freshman, and the 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 steps forward that he takes to sophomore to junior will be fun to watch. And I've been saying from day one, Davion Bradford is probably the best K-State big man of my lifetime going back to 1970. He, When he adds about 15 more pounds, if he can hone in on a little left-handed hook shot, which I know he has, and if he will work from block, if he will stay in that purple rectangle, don't get out of that purple rectangle. Just refine your skills, live your skills, and if he is going to get out of that purple rectangle, it should be about a 10-foot baseline shot because nobody's going to be able to block his shot. And what I want to see from him right now, and he's, he's getting there, is I want to see when the ball gets to his hand on the block that he takes a spin. If he's got to put it on the deck, he puts it on the deck once, and he goes up and he rams it on somebody's head. And that's what he's got to do. It, it, also, with that being said, learning how to play the in-and-out game with him. That's where Nigel can learn and some of the other guys on this team. That's where Davion can grow as a post player is when to kick it. You know, he's got to get it at the right spot. Our guards have to enter it at the right spot. But, um, you know, I hope the fans will just, you know, zip it and be patient and let it happen. Trust the process. It'll get there. And if some of the other guys will come along and, again, learn to play as a team and not worry about me, my shot, when am I going to get mine, this team will grow. Kasupki, I will tell you, can flat out stroke it. Can he play defense? That's what we're going to find out. That's going to determine to me how much he stays on the floor because he can't be a liability on the floor in Big 12 play. And this is, I'm telling you, Lastly, I know it's down the road, but the kid from Wisconsin that is coming to K-State, if you have not seen video of him, go watch because he is 6'10". He can stroke it. He can get to the rim. He's got moves. He's not a stiff. He's not a clod. The kid can play, and he's going to make K-State a lot better. He's, he, again, just has to add some weight, but there's, there's a reason to be positive but remember, freshmen turn into juniors and seniors. You just got to let it happen. And as I said, trust the process. It's going to be a long process, isn't it? I mean, that's a that's a couple of years. They're going to suffer through this season. Next year will be better. Um, and they really are. Right now they're playing the four-guard lineup for the most part because it's working. That's going to be a problem. And, and they are bringing in a stretch four. So here's the question I would ask Josh and Aaron, because again, they, they've, they've been there. They've, they've had the successes. They've had their faces kicked in. And I think it was Josh that brought up Mike McGurl. He's the only senior in the room. I want to know from you guys, he's not going to lead the team in scoring most likely. And, and Josh, you said, leave a legacy, which I agree with, but tell us how Mike McGurl should act and behave on the practice floor during games and in the locker room. That's what I'm most curious about from you guys. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I think he by far has to be the most vocal every single day. He has to be the one that's getting there early, leaving late, working out with guys saying, Hey, let's go get some extra shots in, you know, after practice and, and really kind of leading from that standpoint, um, 
I remember back in my senior year, you know, I was one of the only returning starters and, and Tony Kitt and Cortez Groves were, were the other seniors, but I, I had broken my foot five days before Christmas and basically turned into a coach at that point. And I can remember just focusing every single practice, talking to guys about getting their mind right, coming, getting ready to practice. And then, you know, the games, it's hard going playing in a game on, on a Tuesday night when it's 20 degrees outside. And, you know, there's not a lot of fans in the, in the stands sometimes, especially this with COVID going on, you know, it's hard to get up for certain games in the middle of the week. And I tell you, if, if McGraw can bring that type of attitude and, and get those guys' minds right going into those games, there's no reason why they couldn't win a couple at home and even on the road. Aaron, you kind of remind me it, with Mike McGurl, not from really the game, but kind of the outlook and how you go about it. Um, just really getting after it. He's not a true point guard like you were, but uh, there, there's something about the games that I find some similarity in. Yeah, I think I think from from what I've seen of Mike. Um, well, number one, I think I think uh, with any senior. It sounds a little simple, but I think you got to be yourself. I think the younger kids will will see that. Um, meaning, you know, you got to play your game, play within within your game, um, and by example, if you do that, they'll learn a lot just from that. But um, you know, also I think back to when I was a freshman, the two seniors that that uh, I learned a lot from was again names blast from the past, but Demond Davis and Belvis Nolan. Those two guys, um, you know, I was a, I was a when I was a freshman, I was buck fifty five ringing wet. Now I'm about two fifty five ringing wet. But um, you know, I I felt really beat up after the first couple of conference games, just from a physical standpoint. And those guys, you know, the main thing they told me is just keep coming, just keep coming back, keep showing up to practice, play hard, doing what you're you're doing. And I think a guy like Mike with these, with this young group, um, you know, they are, there is a lot of upside and there's a lot of talent there. So I think, you know, if I was in his shoes, uh, just being positive with them, because there's going to be a lot of ups and downs uh, and a little, a lot of opportunities to do that. And I've actually seen him do that on the floor. Uh, You know, he'll go over to one of these guys you know, during a free throw break or something. And you can see him talking to him. Um, and I think that'll go a long ways uh, for these young guys. But, uh, yeah, I haven't mentioned Mike a lot, but even from, from their NCAA tournament runs, you know, he's just, uh, to me, he seems like an even keel kid, a great guy. Um, I've heard him a few times in the media. He's very respectful. I think a lot of these young kids, you know, just observing that, uh, that's going to help them on and off the floor. Um, I think that's pretty important from from Mike's standpoint, from a senior standpoint, uh, when you got a lot of young guys that are playing with you. Matt, I, I can't say enough good things about Mike McGurl. He uh, he's just giving everything he can to improve this team. I think one of the keys for Mike going forward is to stay within your game. Don't try to do things that you're you think you should do as a senior, but you're not really capable. And I I think I saw flashes of that uh, against Jacksonville. I thought he was incredible at Iowa State in the fact that he just kind of settled into a support role uh, and really helped those young guys. I continue to be blown away by Mike. I'm, I've never thought he he's at the level to be a starter in the Big 12, 
Well, he's proven me wrong. I think he's uh, really showing that he's a pretty darn good basketball player this season. Well, he's reached that point where he, he is a, a Big 12 starter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I agree. I think he needs to be comfortable in his own skin and not try to do too much. And I think he he knows, in watching him play, he knows when he's done that. Because he'll occasionally fire up a three about six seconds into the shot clock, and then you don't see him do that really the rest of the game. And I like, like, you know, like Schwartz, said, I like how he goes and talks to the younger guys. And I think what doesn't get talked about or, or is understood enough is, again, he is the lone senior. He's the lone wolf on this team. He's won a Big 12 championship. He knows what it like. He knows what it's like. He knows what it means to be at that level. And in your last year of college basketball, you, you know what's coming. You're in a rebuilding mode. Again, you're the lone wolf, and you've got to educate Jimmy and Tommy and, and all these young guys. And you know that, again, you're going to get your feelings hurt plenty of times. There's only so much you can do about it. And, and what, you know, what's been said about just tell them to keep coming. There are better days ahead. Keep showing up to practice. Um, understand what your role is and just continue to get better. And, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that Mike's the most vocal guy, but he's a lot more vocal than he was. And, and I think if he can, if he stays within himself, both as a player and, and as a leader, then we're going to see good things happen by the time this crazy basketball season's done. And, and he will deserve rightfully so some of that legacy status and will be remembered for a guy that kind of took it for the team, so to speak, because Mike McGurl, I think will have an impact on what this team is not just next year, but even two years down the road. I totally agree. Matt said something there uh, that is very significant for me, and I want the opinion of the two former players. Know your role. Know who you are. Josh, how hard is that for a young guy? Uh, you came out of western Kansas, um, really highly touted. How hard is it to understand where you fit in at the college level, what you can and can't do? And I would imagine there's some hard lessons around along the way. Mm-hmm. You, you learn it really fast. I, I can remember coming on campus for a visit and going to, to play pickup games with, with uh, Swartz and Chris Griffin and, and Mark Young guarded me mm. that first time that I played. And, and, you know, Mark had like seven foot wingspan, six foot six and, and every single shot I took, he just swatted away, you know, and I, I could not get a shot off like I could at the, obviously the 1A level in Brewster, I could get my shot off anytime I wanted. Um, so you learn really quickly how to play within yourself and, and to, you know, understand spacing and speed and height and length and all those things. And it, it takes a while um, to, to get adjusted, but it, it does happen over time. You just have to be patient. You have to listen to the guys that, you know, are investing in you that the older guys and um, you know, just, just don't get too frustrated. Just keep at it and, and just learn how to play the game at that level. I, w- I would agree. Um, I have a similar experience to Josh. I remember stepping on campus and playing with uh, a couple guys that graduated uh, prior to me getting there that summer that uh, being Daryl Cunningham, uh, Aaron Collier, ACDC. You remember those guys? And Mr. Anthony Bean, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember getting ready to play pickup ball with those guys, thinking, "Man, I'm going to stroke it. I'm going to hit some threes here." 
And after the first couple times down the floor with with Anthony Bean guarding me, I'm like, well, <laughs> my role is just trying to get the ball up the floor without turning it over, you know. So it comes at you quick. Um, but but the more um, more experience you get, um, you know, you, like Josh said, you learn pretty quickly. But um, I think going back to that's that's the important role of Mike too. I think he can help these young guys. Um, learn what they can and can't do. Um, although they have to, they have to be receptive themselves and, um, you know, really take what the coaches are saying, what coach Weber is saying from that standpoint. Um, and also as a young player, something I learned too halfway through my freshman year, um, is I think sometimes as a player, uh, when you're that young, um, if you don't know your role, I think sometimes you have to initiate it. I know it's the coach's job to tell you, what your role is and you develop into that, but, um, you know, maybe ask the older players or ask, you know, ask your position coach and say, I know you've told me this is my role, but you got to define more what that is and how I can help this team develop and maybe win some games. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's certainly a process. Um, but these players now, uh, that we mentioned the freshmen, they certainly have a lot more talent than I had. Um, they're similar to what Josh had when he came in. So their future is bright if, if they're receptive to that and, and they continue to improve. And, and Matt, you know, I, I feel like Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford already understand who they are. They, they've got a lot of work to do. They, they need to get a lot better and grow within those roles. But I think the reason why they've stood out is they're doing what they can do and what they should do. And they have a, a great ability already to edit their game. Dejuan Gordon is a kid that, uh, honestly, being the you know Mr. Basketball in Chicago or whatever the title was coming out of high school, we all had inflated expectations for him. But this is who he is. We're finally seeing it this season. He's a guy that's more blue collar than superstar, and I I kind of have grown to believe that if Dejuan really understands that and embraces that, he is going to be a blue collar superstar. He has an ability to rebound that we didn't fully understand. And he's finding the way to score points, going to the free throw line at Iowa State and hitting all 11 free throws. That's a man. That's that's playing big-time basketball. I have grown very, very uh, optimistic about where Dejuan Gordon is going. He's just got to be consistent. Right. He's got to do that night in and night out. You'll get that – you get that for a couple of halves or maybe three out of four halves, and then he reverts back to his old ways. And again, to me, for him, it's it's no what's a good three. He is not a great three-point shooter. And when Kasubki's ready to go, uh, you, you get it to the guys that are the three-point shooters. And I agree with the rebounding, the defense. He's one of the hardest defenders on this team. And I think what, what we see in – the first 50% of his K-State career, again, will be drastically different than what we see in the second 50% of his career. He's going to uh, he's going to grow. He's going to blossom. I think at times, um, and this is this is nitpicky, and this is one of those things that, I, again, I'd be curious to hear what what Josh and Aaron say about this. They may tell me I'm full of malarkey or so. Christmas goose. But one thing about Josh, or excuse me, one thing about Dejuan that I I hope he grows out of is when he makes a mistake, stop 
looking at the bench. Mm-hmm. When am I coming out? Um, when when that gets eliminated, then that to me is when he's going to take his giant step forward, and he will know his role, whether it's at the offensive end or the defensive end. And he's just he's got to, you know, in football we talk about guys taking plays off. If he gets past that at both ends of the floor, he's get, he can make a difference for this team and for this program. Um, maybe a maybe a young man that you know read too much of his press clippings and now he's seeing what it's like. And now that he's a sophomore and quote unquote, one of the older guys, um, he's going to have to mature and grow and become a leader, not just by what he does, but I also think vocally for this team, especially when, when Mike McGurl's gone, but it's there. It's just, will it become consistent? And the quicker it does, the better case they will be. Josh. First of all, Matt, I would never have thought you were full of malarkey, just just for the record. <laughs> but but I agree. I, you know, looking over at the bench, that, that is one of my biggest pet peeves, probably second to looking at your parents in the stands, you know, and that doesn't happen much at the college level, but in high school and AAU, when kids look at their parents after they mess up or something. But, um, you know, I think Dejuan, he, he, he does need to kind of mature in that area. I hope he, he gets out of that going through this season and, and uh, going into next year, but it, it's it's really not about a single player. And you know, I, I think Bruce Weber does a nice job coaching. Frank Martin really instilled that into players in the early 2000s. It's 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 your brothers. It's not about you. It's about your team. And if you mess up, hey, admit it and, and move on. You know, and I, I learned a, a lesson in the business world. Uh, a long time ago that success is rented. It's not owned. And you could have one good game where, you know, doesn't make you the the owner of that success. You know, you got to string together two or three or four or five games in a row to really be considered a, a solid player. No, I would agree, Josh. And to take that even further, I think, I think a guy like Dejuan, um, even just starting string three, four, five plays together, that turns into, you know, three or four or five games of consistent play. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a guy like, like Dejuan and even Selton to some extent, those are type of players that they're athletic. Uh, they play with a little bit of abandon. And I think, you know, those are good teammates to have. And when you play like that, you certainly, um, you know, can't be worrying and looking over to the bench. Uh, I would totally agree that, that, uh, you know, hope, hope that comes sooner than later uh, for Dejuan. But, um, yeah, he's really – you can really see him maturing, I think, as we, we mentioned earlier, the last two or three games. And I think that's really going to continue for him. Matt, that's a really interesting point about his game. And, and the irony of it is Bruce Weber doesn't yank him out for making mistakes. He's letting him play through those mistakes. I probably would have taken him out after a three-pointer here and there when he's clearly not hitting and he's still firing it up. But Coach Weber doesn't do that, and I think he probably knows best how to handle this young man and the psyche going on here, trying to get him through that. But uh, that we've seen flashes now that he can be really special, and I think that's really good news for K-State basketball. Gentlemen, it was, it was great. We're going to have you two on along with Chris Griffin and Jay Heidrich throughout basketball season. We'll rotate it. We'll mix it up. We'll have Maddie alongside and a few other guys. We had Ryan Gilbert last week. Ryan Black will rejoin us from the Manhattan Mercury at some point. 
But this is going to be your crew moving forward through basketball season with the Insiders Podcast. And if you wanted to hear some football talk, don't worry. The Questions Podcast is coming up later this week at GoPowerCat.com. We will have it before Santa arrives. There we go. Speaking of, speaking of, thanks for the stocking stuffers and reading Schwartzy. Early Christmas presents are always nice. Yep. Good dudes. Team yep, Teal alongside all basketball season long. I'm Fitz, and we'll talk to you real soon with the PowerCat Podcast. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.